You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to this month's feature series, Focus on Medical Education. Today's guest asked the question, What are the effects of educational games on the knowledge, skills, attitude, and satisfaction of healthcare professionals? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lund, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is Dr. Ellie Ackle. Dr. Ackle is an internist in Buffalo, New York, where he conducts research in the areas of medical education, development of clinical practice guidelines, and migration of physicians. He recently published a Cochrane Review on Educational Games for Health Professionals. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Leslie. Happy to be here. Dr. Ackle, how did you get interested in educational games? Well, when I was still in my residency training, one of our chief residents used a Jeopardy game to review board exam questions. I was, in fact, fascinated by how this game got everyone involved and excited. Uh, They just wanted to win and did their best to do so. And I think part of this was the prize he gave to the winning team. Uh, Uh, (laughs) The prize always matters. Yeah, so they varied from like a boring textbook, but sometimes we got uh, restaurant gift certificates. Ah. Yeah. Uh So how did you end up doing research in this area? Well, when I finished my training, I went into an academic job, and part of my job is doing research. And one of my areas of interest is the implementation of clinical practice guidelines. When I went into this field, I discovered that most of the strategies used to improve implementation of guidelines do not work very well. So examples I could give are uh, doing audits of charts and providing feedback to the physician. Other examples are didactic sessions, uh, which is a typical form of teaching in medical education. Uh, There's also interactive workshops, which you now see more and more in scientific meetings. Other interventions or strategies include using computerized decision support systems. So most of these, as shown by research, do not give impressive results, and research calls for multifaceted approach to teaching or helping with implementation of guidelines. So I thought that, you know, this new kind of strategy, which is an educational game, could potentially contribute to better implementation. Is teaching adults any different than teaching children? Well, this was the mainstream thinking. Based on the adult learning theory, adults are generally motivated to learn by internal or intrinsic factors as opposed to children or adolescents who are motivated by external or extrinsic factors. So based on the adult learning theory, there are four principles Uh, The first one is that adult learners must understand what they need to learn and how. Uh, An example is an intern who's doing a night call who needs to understand that learning how to manage diabetic ketoacidosis will improve her clinical performance and improve her patient outcome. The second principle is that adult learners should take responsibility for their learning. Again, going back to the example of the intern, she has to go and read Harrison's or up-to-date on how to manage a ketoacidotic patient. She cannot just wait for her chief resident or her attending to teach her. A third principle of adult learning theory is that adult learners should exploit their experience as a resource. So that same intern should take advantage of her experience with managing a case of ketoacidosis to improve her future performance. Uh, The fourth and last principle of adult learning theory is that adult learners should link their readiness to learn 
with their exigency of real-life situations. So our same interns refers to the most frequent and challenging cases she encounters to focus her learning. Now, one of the things I've noticed when I teach adults is it seems to me that they also um, do learn by a bit of stress or pressure or competition. Is that part of why games can be so successful? Uh, That's what we think. In fact, what games do, they provide a kind of relaxing, stress-free environment where the learners can, while enjoying their time, learn new material. And the learning happens through two levels. The first one is during the game session itself, where they are exposed to new information. The second level is in between the game session. So, for example, I teach, I have this game to teach guidelines. And one time, one of the interns came and said, could you please tell me what we are playing next time, which guidelines, so I can go and prepare for it. (laughs) So I think that physicians are by nature competitive. To get into medical school, we have to be so competitive. And I think it's a selection process. So you are dealing with this uh, group of competitive people who, when you put them into groups and you say, now you have to compete, they get very excited and they want to do better. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, in psychiatry, Dr. Stephen Stahl has done a lot of this in his workshop, and he pits half the audience against the other half and answering questions and making it kind of a race car things where one side clearly wins and one side clearly loses. And people really get very excited about this. Sometimes you're surprised by you know, the level of competition you find. Yeah, absolutely. If you're just joining our discussion, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. Ellie Ackle. Dr. Ackle is not only an internist, but has advanced degrees in public health and epidemiology as well. We are discussing the use of games in medicine. Now, do you have a sense from your Cochrane review of what kind of games work for health professionals? You know, we conducted that systematic review in order to assess whether games in general can improve educational and process of care outcomes. Most of the publication were done in the field of nursing with fewer publication in medical education. Unfortunately, very few of the studies were conducted in a high-quality fashion, meaning using a randomized trial design. And our inclusion criteria restricted eligible studies to randomized controlled trials. There was only one study that was eligible, and we did include in our systematic review. And it was based on the TV show Family Feud, and focus on infection control. The study did not assess any patient or or process of care outcomes. The study did show that the group randomized to the game had better scores on the knowledge test. So unfortunately, it didn't give us too many answers about which games are better than which others. It just gave us a low level of evidence that games might improve the level of knowledge, but we have no idea about the impact of process of care or even patient outcomes. Are you hoping to do more research in developing um, good placebo-controlled studies for this? Yes, so this is our goal. When I got interested in this field, I set a research agenda. Part of it was investigating what has been published, which is part of the systematic review. Part of it, exploring whether the games are acceptable by the medical educational community, which it turns out to be the case. And the third step is 
to develop a game of our own and then test it in, in a randomized design. So you have found that the games are accepted by physicians, that they don't consider it demeaning or somehow juvenile? Yes. You know, what we did was a national survey of uh, program directors of internal medicine and family medicine training programs. And we found that 78% of program directors reported using educational games. They're already using them. Mm -hmm. And up to 90% supported its use. So this is very encouraging news. How about for those of us that have been out of residency a few decades? Is the acceptance level still high? You know, unfortunately, we haven't looked at this question. So, like I said, our survey focused on those in training and Mm -hmm. it is being used. I think this is a very interesting question that needs to be answered. So what game are you working on? So we are working on a game to teach clinical practice guidelines in internal medicine programs. We call it the Guido game. It's a Jeopardy-style game in which two teams of residents compete in answering questions that are based on recommendations of guidelines. We have developed a multimedia interactive tool that would be specific to this game. And at the same time, we developed recommendation-based questions. And we have defined a set of rules for the game. We have so far done a few sessions of pilot testing, which have, which have proved you know, the acceptability of the game and its feasibility. And then how are you going to research whether or not it's actually helping people learn? So we are going to have two programs. In one program, we'll introduce the Guido game over a six-month period. And in the other program, we'll continue teaching guidelines as usual. And we'll have a guideline knowledge test that we'll implement before and after. And we will compare whether the change in the score is different between the intervention program and the control program. Hmm. Do they get any prizes for competing in the game? (laughs) Uh, They will have to. (laughs) If you are hoping to show improvement, we have to make sure that we optimize the chances of the success of the game, which part of it is competition, as we discussed. Uh Sounds like the restaurant gift certificates. Yes. (laughs) It will be very expensive. Yeah, yeah. So who funds this kind of research? So, so far, we've got funding from a local organization, which is called the Research for Health in Erie County here in Buffalo. And recently, the Society of General Internal Medicine, which is the specialty society, has uh, funded us for conducting the trial. Now, can we maybe think about translating this down to the patient level? Can they learn from educational health games? Interesting questions. There's a large number of studies using games to improve patient outcomes, and the focus of the intervention is on patients. The classic example has been children with diabetes, where they take children on camps, and the main intervention is playing a game. And during the game, the instructors teach children how to use uh, insulin and the management of diabetes. And many of these have shown benefit and improvement in patient outcomes. Hmm. Well, thank you so much for teaching us about games in medicine. Thank you. We've been speaking with Buffalo internist Dr. Ellie Ackle. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your questions and comments, so please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Thank you for listening. 
Tune in each hour for the ReachMD feature series, Focus on Medical Education. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Here is a sample of the great shows airing this week. I am Dr. Matthew Sorrentino, your host on ReachMD XM157. Join me this week, and I will be speaking with Dr. Rick Stauffer. We will be talking about hemodynamics and the use of hemodynamics, both for teaching cardiac fellows and for managing our patients with valvular heart disease. This is Dr. Leslie Lunt. Join me this week on the Clinician's Roundtable, where my guest will be Dr. Jill Warnock. We will be discussing the psychiatric aspects of infertility. This is Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune. Join me this week on ReachMD XM157, and we'll be talking about generic medicines with Kathleen Yeager, the president and CEO of the Generic Pharmaceutical Association. Thank you for listening to ReachMD XM157, where we change topics every 15 minutes. For our complete weekly guest and program guide, visit us at ReachMD.com.